the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Uh, Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Uh, We hook up every weekend, and we're always delighted that Alan Dempsey is here uh, to do our engineering. Andrew Herdaliska does our producing, of course. And in this first half hour, David Crosby is with us, pastor of the First Baptist Church in New Orleans. The new book is out. It's called The Care Effect, Unleashing the Power of Compassion. David, many thanks. I'm so glad we can hook up here. Hey, it's great to be with you, Pat. Uh, What prompted you, and what are the reasons behind this book? Well, I believe that uh, we need a little bit of corrective on how we're presenting the gospel as uh, evangelicals and people of faith who see Jesus as Lord. Uh, The book attempts to uh, explain and, uh, and describe how we flesh out the gospel, both with our words and our deeds. So the care effect is uh, really an effort to say, hey, we got to live this as well as speak it, and uh, these are the reasons that we must live it, and this is how we can do it. Uh, the book is broken down into four parts. Uh, part one is simply called Broken Seams. Uh, what's that about? What's that mean? Well, uh, the uh, idea here is that people get sick spiritually and emotionally because relationships are broken with significant others in their lives. And uh, often that happens because of sin. Part of the penalty of sin is that uh, we suffer loss uh, in our relationships. And so we are people who are isolated, who often are lonely, who are uh, maybe not receiving the kind of support we need, uh, to be healthy ourselves, um, and maybe cut off from people that are, we're supposed to love. Uh, so uh, that's, uh, and it's not only individually, sometimes it's collectively. Sometimes mm-hmm. we are isolated as families, uh, and that we experience the greatest blessing and the highest potential in our lives when we are living in community with others, and when those relationships are healthy, when we are part of the family of God, we are hardwired into a church where we are receiving spiritual encouragement and giving it as well. One of the sections here under Broken Seams is uh, called Church Should Be More Than a Destination. Uh, What do you mean by that? Well, I was talking to a physician, and uh, he was just, he knew I was a preacher, and he was a relative stranger to me. Uh, And so in the course of just the examination and talking, he says to me, so do people still go to church? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the question implied that he thought people probably didn't go to church anymore. And I don't know if he didn't go to church or what it was, but he asked the question, do people still go to church? And I talked to him about the vitality of the Church of Jesus Christ and about the 50 million Americans who go to church every week. You know, I mean, it is something that is standard for millions and millions of people to attend worship and give God glory, you know. And I got to thinking about his question afterward. I, I sought to draw him into a further conversation, but he really wasn't interested in that. He he just sort of was making a comment, I guess, that, mm-hmm. that seemed like an anachronism to him, that people still go to church. And I thought, you know, maybe the question is the problem. Maybe we have pitched the idea of going to church as the responsibility, and nobody would ask the question, 
is the church still going to the community? Mm-hmm. You know, going to church makes church a destination where where church is much more than that. Uh, being part of the family of God and in the family of faith is about us going. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. God sent his son to us, so he says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. So in that section, I was suggesting that we need to do more going ourselves as God's people, going to the hurting places and the hard places in our communities, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, and really being the hands and feet of Jesus in our present context and building the, uh, and doing so because we ought to, because the love of Christ compels us, because love of neighbor is connected to loving God, but also doing so because our communities need to see us doing the gospel as well as hear us and think of us more than a destination as a church. David, I want to move to part two, uh, which is called Neighbor's Needs. Uh, what are you <clears throat> What are you covering here? Really, I'm talking about uh, the real needs of people around us and how the love of neighbor focuses in on the need. When Jesus was asked, who is my neighbor, he went immediately to a man who had been injured by other people, uh, thieves who had beat him up. And so in this section, I am highlighting the importance of uh, love addressing real need. And the problem, Pat, with humans is that unlike God, we have needs that are met when we love. God doesn't have needs. He is sufficient in himself. He is the perfect and holy one. And he loves us out of this heart that he has of love and the nature he has of love. But he doesn't benefit from our love back to him. He is pleased with it, Mm -hmm. uh, but he's pleased with it because he calls for us to do it, and so we are We are obeying him as we do. But we are people who, when we seek to love others as God has loved us, one of the things that happens to us is that our needs are met in this love. And the most predictable part of loving your neighbor is that you will be blessed as the one going to that neighbor and helping that neighbor. We don't want our needs to overpower the needs of the neighbor. And so sometimes in the effort to go and love our neighbor, we, we have these needs that we want met or maybe that subtly need to be met in us. And uh, I'm saying in this book, love does no harm to its neighbor. And so love needs to pay attention to the real needs of the neighbor. And the Good Samaritan stopped and he cared for the wounds of this individual who was broken and beat up by the thieves. And he did so deliberately. He took him to the inn, he put him up for the night, he helped him with his convalescence, he paid the bill at the hotel, and he provided that innkeeper with money that said, look, any more that you spend on caring for the needs of this man, I'll take care of when I come back by. And uh, so he doesn't really do anything else with the injured man other than help him at the point of his need. And uh, I'm calling uh, for the Christian community to uh, identify real needs in the area of their churches and their geographical area and to begin to address those needs, whether they're immigrant needs or teaching of English or caring for people in nursing homes or foster children who need families, these real needs, and begin to say, how can I help this child who's being removed from the home and what can we do support to support foster families who are helping and how can we take care of these modern-day orphans? David Crosby is our guest. He's the pastor of First Baptist Church in New Orleans. Uh, His book is called The Care Effect. Um, And certainly, David, I'd be interested in your thoughts uh, about the needs, uh, neighbors' needs throughout uh, New Orleans and southern Louisiana over the last years. Uh, Do you have a word or two on that? Well, I live in the context of need, Pat, and I've been in places where you know, the communities were flourishing, and it seemed like the positives uh, were huge and the negatives were tiny. And I now live in a city where there's lots of crime, there's uh, lots of poverty, there's lots of uh, uh, illiteracy. And uh, so we are every day going out into this community 
experiencing these needs of the homeless and the hungry and uh, seeking to help not only with the immediate needs of hunger but with the systemic problems that are part of this uh, culture and this city here. My guest, and we're having a good visit with uh, David Crosby from New Orleans, talking about his book, The Care Effect, Unleashing the Power of Compassion. We've got another segment with David, and when we come back, we're going to dive into part three of his book, uh, entitled Loving Deeds. And, uh, and then, when we finish on that topic, we go to part four, Do Not Give Up on Good. Uh, This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know the credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-518-4020. 800-518-4020. 800-518-4020. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 530 Sunday on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. We dodged a bullet with Matthew, but it may have played havoc on your roof. Now is the time to get your roof fixed, and here is the deal. Half-price roof vouchers. No catch, no kidding. We have a limited number of half-price roof vouchers if your roof has a replacement value of over $10,000. Call 407-618-1760 to find out more. Call 407-618-1760 now to buy your half-price roof voucher if your roof has a replacement value of over $10,000. Half-price roof vouchers. No catch. No kidding. Call 407-618-1760 now. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. David Crosby is the pastor of First Baptist Church in New Orleans. We're talking about his new book, The Care Effect. And David, we've arrived at part three called Loving Deeds. Uh, and then you go into these four different care effects, one, two, three, four. Uh, I, I'm eager to hear all about this. Okay. Well, um, you know, we live in a place that has experienced a huge outpouring of love from largely the Church of Jesus Christ in the rest of the country uh, in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. And that was 11 years ago, and I was here at that time. I'd been here for a long time even then. And uh, we deployed 21,000 volunteers ourselves into the flood zone uh, to help gut flooded homes. And we experienced what it was to be the recipient of this kind of compassion. And uh, I tell people that Katrina uh, washed us out of our sanctuary and into the streets of New Orleans. Mm. And we discovered in the streets of New Orleans, as we deployed with volunteers and thousands of volunteers to help homeowners recover their homes, that there is an openness in the act of loving somebody in need that prepares their heart for the good news of Jesus Christ, that gives you a natural connection and an open door for the gospel. Uh, And so articulating the gospel 
as well as demonstrating the gospel, sort of became our calling as a church. And uh, when we did our own assessment of our community and what we felt like needed to be done, we identified the widows who were often in nursing homes. And so we have two nursing home ministries to which we deploy volunteers every week. Uh, one of them is a non-ambulatory facility where everybody's either uh, home uh, bedridden or in a wheelchair. And uh, our folks go there. They love on them. They pray for them. They do special things for them. Uh, we go to the prisons. We have three different events in prisons each week, including the Juvenile Detention Center, where we share the good news and encourage those who are incarcerated. And uh, then we go to... Um, the homeless with two feeding stations uh, where we serve about 300 hot meals a week, both to homeless and to new immigrants to our city. And uh, so these were needs that we identified, the teaching of English as a second language, the uh, uh, employees who are in the clubs here. We have a lot of strip clubs on Bourbon Street, as everybody knows. And so we've been going for seven years to these clubs, just one by one, uh, talking to the managers and gaining access just to have conversations with dancers and others and seeking to address their spiritual needs and to help them out uh, and let them know God loves them. Uh, and so there are various other things that we do with volunteers on a weekly basis that we seek to do to express the love of God. And we ask our people when they go in what we call the Care Effect Ministries, we ask them to do these things in love, to love these people that are getting the beans and the rice and the chicken, to love these folks who are in the prison, and to do their work in love. And uh, our prime motivation is that God says, love your neighbors, you love yourself. So because God commands it, we seek to go do it, and we know that God is pleased when we love our neighbor. So that's the first care effect. God is pleased. And that's enough, you know, Pat. Mm -hmm. we, don't really, we don't really have to get anything else. If God is pleased because we have cared for the hungry or cared for the hurting or visited the sick, then that ought to be enough. But the uh, second predictable part of loving your neighbor and doing loving deeds of kindness is that you will be blessed. Uh, as Paul quoted Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So we can predict that if we go help somebody who is hurting, we ourselves are going to receive uh, joy in that and a satisfaction that we've helped somebody in need, and it's going to bless us and lift us and uh, encourage us in our own walk with God. So that's the second care effect. The first is that God is pleased. The second is that the giver is blessed, even more blessed than the recipient. But that would be the third effect is that person who is hungry, who is hurting, who is sick, who is in prison, is going to be blessed. And I remember a 14-year-old boy that I encountered in the juvenile uh, detention center who's, who comes up to me with these big wide eyes, and he says, Why are you here? And uh, I said, Well, I explained our ministry. And he said, No, I want to know why you are here. He said, Nobody comes here. Why are you here? Mm. And it was puzzling to him that there was this group of people who came and just to talk with him and pray with him. And he really wanted to know why we were here. And the, and the root of that is, it is the love of Christ that constrains us. And being present in a prison is in and of itself an amazing comment to that prisoner. And it blessed that boy that we were just there, even before I spoke a word or opened the Bible or said a prayer, his life was impacted by my presence. And the same is true with that nursing home resident who never gets to see anybody. And if you, you start doing this ministry for the widows and the widowers, you will find that, that they are blessed just by you being there because they don't get to visit with people. You know, nobody comes to see them mm -hmm. so often. And so there is this effect on the one who is cared for. Now, it's not certain. I mean, there are people who receive food from us who never say thank you, uh, just like the nine lepers who never came back after Jesus healed them. And Jesus was um, commented on that. He said, where are the other nine? You know, the one came back. He said, where are the other nine? Everybody should be saying thank you. 
that's true, but we don't we don't depend on the thank you of the person receiving care. We hope that's an effect. We hope that they will experience the love of God in our care for them and that warm uh, hot meal that they receive, and the visit that they get, and the prayer they receive. But that's not our our giving is not dependent on their gratitude. Our giving is a response to the love God has given us. And not everybody said thank you to Jesus, so not everybody's going to say thank you to us. And yet we continue to give. Uh, But that would be the third care effect, is it's an impact and effect on the person who receives that care. And if we do so in motivated by the love of God and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that maximizes the effect of our care in the recipient of that that care and that love. And uh, the fourth effect is that the love of God and loving deeds of kindness and compassion have effects on communities, that groups of people actually change, that there is a change in the atmosphere in that prison cell. It's, it's not just that that individual is impacted, it's the group that is impacted, the dynamic changes. And I believe God's people need to hear this message. You know, we pray, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a big prayer. It's a prayer about the neighborhood where we live and the neighborhood where our church is, the community where we are seeking to live out faithfully our witness for Christ. And I think we need to lift up our eyes and see that we can have an impact. We can make a difference in our city, in our town, in our neighborhood, in our community as we go out and share the love of Christ in these very practical ways. Uh, Hardwiring the word and the deed, making sure that we articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ and his grace uh, given to us through his life and his death for us upon the cross, but also in fleshing that gospel makes a powerful impact in the community. So that's the four dimensions of the care effect. And now, uh, David Crosby is our guest, the author of The Care Effect. Uh, Let's move to part four, uh, the final part of your book, David. Uh, Do not give up on good. I like that phrase. Uh, What's it mean to you? Um, I think sometimes that we see all the need around us, and we see a world just full of millions and millions of needy people, and we become uh, full of despair about really making a difference. And uh, we wonder, you know, all these neighbors in need, I can't help them all, therefore, you know, what can we do? Uh, I'm not going to help any of them. Uh, We sort of back out of doing good for the person that we can help. And I point out that when Jesus tells the story of who is my neighbor, this is really an accidental, kind of incidental moment in the life of the Samaritan who's traveling this road, and suddenly there's a need, and it's an immediate need. This man is hurt, and he is wounded, he is bleeding. And the Samaritan acts in compassion and addresses an immediate need. And Jesus ends that parable by saying to the expert in the law who asked the question, who is my neighbor? He says, who was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? Jesus actually reverses the question. Instead of asking the question, who is my neighbor? He asked the question, who was a neighbor? And I would say to all those listening, Ask the question, can I be a neighbor today? And if the answer is yes, I can act as a neighbor to somebody that I see or somebody I know or somebody the Holy Spirit has brought to mind, I can act as a neighbor to them, then I would challenge you to do so. Don't give up on that simple act of kindness and love towards somebody who is immediately in need in the periphery of your life, in the scope of your life, in the path of your life. Because uh, that good is powerful. And, uh, you know, we worship God, not just because he is powerful, but because he is good. He is good. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. And if you are involved in caregiving, and you are somebody who lives as a neighbor caring for others, then I would ask you the question, What is feeding your soul? Because sometimes and often caregivers, people who are givers, run out on personal resources, and we find ourselves empty. Uh, I tell the story of my father fighting a fire in his attic with water from a water hose, 
mm. uh, that he takes up, and this was when he was an older man, and he got into that attic and it caught fire because of a spark from the chimney. And he says, I was making progress. I could have put that fire out, but the well ran dry. <laughs> My brother told me, he said, he had enough water for 30 minutes. That's all. And then the water would run out in the well, and uh, you'd just have to wait. And that house burned down because the well ran dry. Uh, and sometimes our own personal well runs dry. And so the the idea here is, look, if you're getting weary in well-doing, if you've given all you can give and you feel like you're out of personal resources, it may be time for you, like Jesus did, to get away from all the needy crowd and renew the personal life that you have with God and reconnect again the Holy Spirit, who is your true source, because caregivers need to be cared for as well, and God does that with us. And I know there are pastors that listen to your show as well, and people who are ministers, and I've been doing this for 43 years, and I often have to just be with God myself. i got to get away, because the need is everywhere, and the hungry people can be pushy and and needy people can be demanding, and pretty soon you're surrounded by this crowd that's just crying out with all kind of needs, and you've got to pull out and take care of some of your inner needs yourself. So really, the last chapter is about keeping a hopeful uh, viewpoint, embracing the future that God's giving us, realizing that the gospel is powerful and it is effective, both in its spoken form and in its incarnational form, both when it is proclaimed and when it is lived, both in the word and in the deed. So don't give up on the power of doing good. Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And so don't give up on that. And when you feel like your resources are running out, then find that place where you can give away alone with God or go to the event that feeds your soul, the retreat, or the revival, or the mission trip. And my somebody asked me, "What really feeds your soul?" And Pat, I am fed in my soul when I go on the foreign field and spend a week just uh, uh, with the missionaries and helping them. I come back refreshed and renewed. And I know that may sound uh, not logical, but it actually helps me to pull out of my local context and get out there and see what God's doing in the mighty work he does in in his world. Hmm. David Crosby has been our guest, uh, the author of The Care Effect. And David, thanks a million. It's a good, good half hour we've just spent. Oh, I love being with you. And congrats on the book. Uh, We've got more after this, folks, on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Parents and grandparents, how is your child's math grade? If it isn't what it should be, then change it. At the Mathnasium at Hunt Club in Apopka, their proven math tutoring methods can help any student. Wait, it gets better. We have a limited number of half-price math tutoring vouchers. No catch? No kidding. Call 407-618-1760 to find out more. Call 407-618-1760 now to get your half-price math tutoring voucher. Call 407-618-1760. Did you know that the largest country in the world is reached by one pioneering Christian radio ministry? For the past 16 years, one organization in the USA has partnered with a team of radio missionaries at New Life Radio Moscow so that every community across that vast land of nine time zones can listen to Christian programming. Why is that important? Because 99% of communities in Russia have no local Christian radio station, and yet New Life Radio continues to proclaim the gospel faithfully to people who have little or no Christian content in their national media. Today, New Life Radio Moscow is in great need of financial partners here in America to keep the gospel radio channels in Russia open. We ask you to become one of a thousand people to be monthly faith partners with New Life Radio. Your response today is critical to its continuation. Your monthly gift of 10 or $20 is vital to souls in Russia. Stop what you're doing and give now at gospelradiorussia.org. That's gospelradiorussia.org. gospelradiorussia.org. 
This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. David Crosby uh, was with us in that first half hour, uh, pastor of the First Baptist Church in New Orleans. And we go from New Orleans to Calgary. Uh, Leon Fontaine is there, the senior pastor of Springs Church in Canada. Uh, We're going to talk about his new book, uh, it's called The Spirit Contemporary Life, Unleashing the Miraculous in Your Everyday World. Uh, Leon, it's so nice to hook up with you, and uh, congrats on your book. Hey, Pat, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. The uh, publisher is Waterbrook. Uh, the Spirit Contemporary Life, what does that title mean? Well, we're challenging uh, kind of a religious, typical look at Christians. And uh, so, spirit contemporary, we're simply saying that as a Christian, we need to be Holy Spirit empowered. But when we function, which we are every day in the real world, we need to be relevant, cool, contemporary, respectful, and be able to absolutely rise up in this world. Like the, like the leaders in the Old Testament, everybody that was one of God's kids or children of God, they were stunningly victorious, great leaders, politicians, creative, I mean, wise. And, and I just don't see that like we should be, I believe, in the body of Christ. You open your book with this topic, From Altars to Ambulances. Uh, what's that mean? One of the things that really got me thinking this way was years ago, I spent about seven years of my life as a pastor of a small church with my dad as a paramedic at the same time. And when I saw the despair and the heartache and all the the stuff that was going on in our world, I began to just, as a Christian, just say, God, like, we need your peace. We need you to move in lives. I just, where's God in the middle of all this? And it began this journey of desiring miracles, all kinds of miracles, miracles of restoring families, miracles of rising up with passion in business and sports, miracles of actual healing, where people would begin to move out of their sickness and see God heal them. So it really began a passion of questioning my faith. Am I just kind of a poor, meek little Christian just going through this world of woe, and Jesus is going to be my psychological relief, or is he going to help me overcome, rise up, and see the miraculous? Let's move to this next topic, ordinary heroes. Yeah. Tell me about them. Well, when you look through the Bible, and when you look at... uh, Well, when you look through the Bible, you'll find men like Joseph, who God used to absolutely touch an entire nation. And the blessing of God was on him, but then God sent him in, and it wasn't even a fun trip as he went in and learned to uh, work with Potiphar, one of the leaders in the country, and he learned the finances, the language, how to deal with the upper class around uh, the king and everything. Then he was thrown in jail and lied about, and that's where he learned to handle liars and thieves and cheats, and, and God literally took him to the second most powerful place in the land. And when he did, he saved the then-known world and his own family from starvation. But if we just take the Bible as a way to judge people and slap them with it or or be condescending with them or just kind of be this little subculture, we're going to miss out incredibly on his presence upon us. Every one of us, if we've given our lives to Christ, has gifts and abilities in us. And his God's presence isn't just to help us be religious. It's just to help us sit and do nothing. It's to help us rise to the top in every area of life in the order to influence people for Christ, to love others, to help others succeed. And the way we do that, I believe, is by rising up and letting people see on our lives. We're just ordinary people, but yet we are literally empowered to do great things. And even in the midst of great attacks or great storms or horrible things in life, the peace and the strength as Jesus is with us through this storm causes people around us to say, okay, 
You're not just a great leader. You're, you're not just a great sportsman. You're not just, uh, but where do you get this incredible strength, this tenacity? And we can tell people that it's, it's about Christ. It's about God's presence in our lives. My guest, and he's from Calgary in Canada. We're talking to Leon Fontaine. The book is called The Spirit Contemporary Life. <clears throat> Leon, I want you to discuss it's not the message. Yeah, a lot of Christians try to share their faith with others. And a lot of what I've seen, I travel around the world, we're on television around the world in multiple languages. And so I get a chance to equip pastors, I equip business leaders. Uh, It's one of the things I do. And I've noticed that when we share the message, it's, we share it sometimes wimpily, we share it condescendingly. A lot of people are being turned off to church. Well, the message in the Bible is phenomenal when you really see what it is. So it's not the actual message that's turning people off. It's the messengers. It's maybe being too religious, being condescending, it's being judgmental. Um, it's just living in this little box that all we are is poor Christians. Uh, you know, even the word meek. We've all as Christians have heard about the word meek in the Bible. It makes it look as if we should be meek, which is kind of just shy, quiet, not assertive, not passionate. But actually the word meek in the Greek is what the Greeks called their war horses. Once they were completely trained, they called that horse, it was now meek. And it literally means completely obedient to the rider. They could run through swords. They could get cut up. The Bible talks about war horses just, I mean, just literally just excited about jumping into battle and defending and obeying their rider. And so if Jesus is our Lord and Savior, then as Christians, we need to be instantly obedient to him. Meek isn't weak. Meek simply means we live to a higher call, a higher standard. We live to something that impassions us to live up in whatever area of life that we're in to represent him with our success. Let's move now to stop marketing yourself. What does that mean? Well, a lot of people, um, depending upon which church you go to, uh, they feel as though we have to kind of compete with the world, and it's all about marketing ourselves, marketing ourselves. And we live in this world where in order to get ahead, you gotta, you've got to be able to spin it, market it, get yourself out there. And I understand the purpose, but I think the thing as Christians, we've got to be able to advance is the cause of Christ. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things we're seeking after will be added to us. So how can we live our lives in a way that when people look at us, we don't have to be preachy, we don't have to, but where they can look at us and they can see his presence. You know, the disciples, it says that when Jesus left and they begin to share their faith and walk through the cities, they could tell they had been with Jesus. There was this confidence about them, yet this love that made them value people, made them value everyone around them. And they weren't self-grandizing. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he healed somebody in one of the cities, they tried to bow down to him, and they said he was Zeus, the god, Greek god, and he ran through the city ripping his clothes and saying, it's not about us. You, We are just people like you. And so it's not necessary that we kind of follow the world to that degree of just making ourselves great. But like John the Baptist, as we do great things, it's less of me and more of him. Now, Leon, let's uh, move to this topic. Uh, Actually, here's how the book breaks down. There are uh, six different sections. The problem, we just covered that. Uh, Part two, free to change. Uh, what, What are you sharing here? Why is that section important? Well, one of the things that Christians, I think, don't notice about the Bible is they think that the Bible is just kind of a place that, like I said, to help you with psychological comfort through your world of woe and hope Jesus will come back and save us. Um, But one of the keys to the Bible is the deepest beliefs of the heart. The Bible teaches us that what we believe at the heart level, not at the head level, that that is how our world goes. And so... Christian psychologists would call it subconscious beliefs. These are beliefs that we've been raised with, beliefs that 
we've picked up because of traumas, uh, things that have happened to us, uh, our, our schools, our churches. We've, we've developed these beliefs, and these beliefs are what connect us to our futures. So if we believe, for example, that I'm just stupid and, and average and there's nothing great about me, well, and the Bible says you're made in the likeness and the image of God, but to believe the opposite, it affects what you reach for in school, in sports. It affects what you believe you can do. And Jesus very carefully said, according to your faith, so be it done to you. And so when people struggle in areas of life, like with relationships, with success in business, success in different areas, I often tell them, stop thinking the devil is that powerful. Stop thinking God is withholding and holding you back, because he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But what are the deepest core beliefs of your life? You know, people will sit in a crowded room full of wonderful people and feel like, I just don't fit in here. Now, really, they do. But their belief is what controls their lives. If I've got a wonderful, I have, I've got a wonderful wife, Sally, and she loves me. But if I go home today and, and she goes, Leon, I love you so much. And I go, I, I, I don't believe you. <laughs> Even though her love is there, I'll never receive it or feel it. Now, God can love me immensely. But if I don't believe it, I'll never sense the peace and the joy that comes with being loved. So our beliefs are more important in our own lives than even God's sovereignty, because he's given us free will. And so the freedom to change begins to deal with the steps. And if you've got a core belief that is destroying your relationships, you can go from spouse to spouse to spouse, from job to job to job. You can never, ever seem to get ahead financially or in your career. It's You've got to begin to look at what are the beliefs of the heart. And the Bible teaches us in both Proverbs 4 and in Mark 4 that we can change these deepest beliefs. Now, they're not done with the head. They're not done in typical ways of willpower. They're done in simple but powerful ways. And the book outlines whatever you're doing, whether you're struggling being a mom, a wife, a dad, uh, you know, a leader, wherever you struggle and can't get results, the Bible has a way to walk you through setting your heart free inside so that there's a freedom outside. And it deals with what I call misbeliefs, beliefs that are wrong, but yet you've picked them up and they are controlling some section of your life. Uh, here's what we've covered so far in Leon Fontaine's book, The Spirit Contemporary Life. We've talked about the problem, part one. Secondly, free to change. And now, Leon, we move to part three, which is called free to, <coughs> excuse me, free to live. Uh, can you cover that for us? You know, we, we have so much teaching today on dying to self. Um, picking up your cross and following Jesus, um, staying poor. It's not important to succeed. And the Bible very clearly teaches us by example and stories in the Old Testament that God's leaders were always the greatest the world had ever seen. No one could stand in battle before David. No one could write songs in the creative realm like David. Solomon, no leader has ever existed that could make such wealth and literally see the world come to him. Um, over Moses could lead a couple million Jews for years to the wilderness and hear from God and do miracles. And so when we look at our lives, if we believe that life is just nine to five, have a marriage, get it done, get it through, and we don't dream. I mean, really dream. And so we begin to show people that the Bible's very clear that Jesus came, not that we could just get to heaven, but he came that we might have life and more abundantly. Now, in the, in the, in the uh, Greek, it means innumerable in quantity, and it means just unsurpassable in quality, that the quality, the joy, the passion, if, if the, you know, right now there's a struggle all around the world as to what religion is correct, as to, you know, and Christians are way behind. You can't ever complain about any minority group or any religion, but it's open season on Christians. You can say whatever you want. We've just done a bad job of representing Christ, that he not only has forgiven our sins and created a place called heaven for eternity, but he taught us to pray, and he he said, pray that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He literally wants us to 
create. Now, we're still going to have problems, and we've got storms, and we've got an enemy down here called the devil. So there's a fight that goes on, and there's storms and things that happen. But in the midst of the storm, Jesus wants us to know that he's in the boat with us, that when the storm blows and houses crumble, the ones that are formed on the rock, him, begin to rejoice and smile and be happy. Peace and joy is not because of external situations, but internal power. My guest from Calgary, his name is Leon Fontaine. He's the pastor, senior pastor of Springs Church in Canada, author of The Spirit Contemporary Life. More with Leon Fontaine right after these messages. Here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, it's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you've ever felt like you had to choose between getting new blinds or holding on to your life savings, those fears end now. Thanks to SelectBlinds.com. Select Blinds won't gouge you like those big, greedy blind corporations. Our loyal customers seem to agree. Just check the over 170,000 five-star reviews on our site. With Select Blinds, do-it-yourself doesn't have to mean do-it-alone. In fact, if you can hang a picture, you can hang your own blinds. And for added peace of mind, our specialists will walk you through how to measure, Choose and install your new window coverings. Choose from a vast selection of high-quality custom blinds, shades, and drapes. SelectBlinds.com really is the simple and smart way to get blinds. They've served over a million happy customers. Why not be one of them? Shop today at SelectBlinds.com. Mention this show at checkout and get sample swatches of the room-darkening blinds or shades of your choice absolutely free. SelectBlinds.com. SelectBlinds.com. Finances were not designed to bust our marriages, but build our marriages. That's Chris Brown talking about money from a biblical perspective. There's a world's way of handling money that's rooted in entitlement, and there's God's way of handling money that is rooted in contentment and gratitude. Got a money issue you need help with? Listen to Chris Brown's True Stewardship, managing God's blessings God's way for God's glory. Chris Brown's True Stewardship, afternoons at 2, right after Through the Bible. Here at the intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join the Orlando Bible Church Saturday afternoon from 5 to 6 for What Sayeth the Scripture. Bring your Bible for an hour-long call-in program on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN, the intersection of faith and reason. Tune in at 3 p.m. to hear me, Carmen, on my new show, The Reconnect. Let's bring God back into the conversation right here at the intersection of faith and reason, new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. We're having a wonderful visit with Leon Fontaine, uh, the author of The Spirit Contemporary Life. Leon, we've moved to part four. It's called All Spirit, connecting with the Holy Spirit, gut feelings, and then taking off your flo- your floaties. Uh, I want you to talk about this for us. <laughs> You know, the in the Old Testament, uh, there's a story where God is speaking to Moses, and he talks about how, you know, he'll send an angel before them as they were about to go to the Promised Land, and, and Moses very clearly says, I do not want to go where your presence doesn't take me. And so in the word spirit contemporary, it really deals with two ditches. For every mile of truth, there's two miles of ditch. And there's Christians in the ditch on one side that they just don't seem to have any power, passion, direction in their Christian walk. Um, And they're just weak in the spiritual area. Uh, But they can be cool and have their hair must just right in their jeans and their jackets. And then there's Christians on the other side that they've gone so far that they're almost crazy Christians uh, that no one wants to be around. It's like you don't want your unsaved family who don't believe in Christ to even be near this guy. And we need to get back to center as to what is God calling us to be like. And so to be filled with his presence, his spirit, different denominations look at it different ways. But yet all through the New Testament, the disciples who did stunning things after Jesus died were literally, it says, filled with his presence, full of his passion, full of zeal. You could beat them with rods, kill them, and they would be raised from the dead. They would go from city to city. They had this ability to listen and to be charged up by the presence of God. And so spirit contemporary means let's daily go to him in his word, 
charged up to feel his love, how much he values us, his confidence, his passion, his peace. And then to be contemporary means that we should be able to rise up in every area of organization where people are attracted to us. Some Christians feel like, you know, that people aren't attracted to us because we stand for righteousness and morality. And, well, you know, so did Jesus. But everybody was attracted to Jesus. The prostitutes, the drunks, the liars, the cheats. Even though he was a righteous man, his love and the way he valued people was so powerful that it didn't matter if a woman caught in adultery was brought before him. He just said, hey, where are thine accusers? I don't accuse you. Go and sin no more. Or then Homer Zacchaeus, one of the greatest thieves back there who robbed widows and orphans. And Jesus went home with him. It doesn't tell he even dressed him down. It was just that as Jesus brought value to his life, life. This man wanted to change. We can be the greatest force on this planet. I mean, we've got political situations. We've got, uh, right now, we've got religious situations. The world's getting to be a scary place, and we can't change people's hearts with great government, although we want great government. We only, Jesus, can change great hearts, or change people's hearts. And he said he'll do it through his church. The church needs a massive redesign of dependence on Holy Spirit. Let him begin to, to raise us up to get focused on others. It's, the Bible says that Jesus even understands the weak and the afflicted and the sinners, because he walked this planet tempted like we are. We need to be like this as we reach out to people. And our churches will pack out rather than thousands closing their door in America and Canada every year, and people looking to New Age and other forms of meditation and religion. It's because we need a new, fresh look at what a Christian is and who Jesus is and what Holy Spirit will do in our lives. Leon Fontaine is talking to us about his new book, The Spirit Contemporary Life. Leon, we've moved now to part five. It's called All Contemporary, A Beautiful Mind, Green Apples, The Power of Your Story. Uh, Fill us in. Well, you know, there are those who love to share their faith with others. And if we do it wrong, if people aren't ready for some of the things we're saying, it's, you know, if you go to an orchard and you pick a red apple that is ripe, you just kind of give it a quarter turn and a little tug, and it drops right into your hand. And it's harvested. And Jesus talks about the fields of the planet being white to harvest, meaning that we should be able to reach people, that there is this vacuum in people that need Jesus. But then if you go try to pick a green apple, you're, you pull on it and leaves start falling, twigs start breaking, you start breaking the branch, you're damaging the tree and that apple by trying to pick it prematurely. So our job's not to go close the deal. Our job is to live for Christ. Our job is is to show the love, the value, the passion, the success, all that we can do with our lives to represent Christ. And so to be really contemporary means our world is in a crisis. We need presidents and prime ministers. We need computer techs and we need everything from doctors and cures for cancer to leaders to rise up in the sports world in every area of society. If men and women will rise up with a strong passion for Christ, but they could function in the secular world so that people are attracted to them, love them, want them around them. They invite them to their parties. They invite them to all their get-togethers because you're not a religious weirdo. You are a wonderful person friend and father and and companion and athlete and 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 leader and so people are attracted to you we've got to figure out jesus the bible says grew in favor with man and he also grew in favor with god so some people we, we need to, so we do we need to do both we need to grow in favor with god learning to sense him feel his strength and then we need to grow in favor with people one of the paul the prayers paul prayed was please pray for me he said that i could make the gospel understandable give me open doors pray that i could have open doors to share and paul was so strategic everywhere he went to not burn up his opportunities with crazy preaching but he very clearly would share on mars hill he'd quote other religions even he would he had a way of getting into people's worlds and i believe to be contemporary is let's look at the world i'm not talking about churches now i'm talking about Christians. Go make that plant amazing money and do the work they need. They will respect you and honor you. Whatever you're involved in, be able to bring results, work with people, understand people, value people, and they will literally be attracted to you and eventually want to hear about the Jesus that has so helped you out. And now, Leon, we move to part six. Risk it and live it. 
How do you want us to do that? Well, I think that change is something so few people embrace. They say that about 70% of the human race are, are change-adverse. They do not like change. And so the issue about change is, though, the only constant in life is change. And change is going to happen whether you like it or not. And it'll drag you kicking and screaming into a new season of life. Or you can take the, the brilliance of God's Word, and you can prepare for that next season. You can rise up and take risks. I'm not talking about gambling. Nobody can make make a, you know one thing a for sure thing. We, we train ourselves, we get ready, we study the market, we study the business, whatever we're called to do, and then we take a step and we take risks. But people don't want to take risks. Uh, you know, Winston Churchill had a, had a hard job of trying to get us Americans to get into the Second World War. And one of the analogies he made is if we just kind of live doing nothing. He said it's like trying to be nice to a crocodile so he eats us last. If we don't take risks and step out with our gifts and our abilities and, and to change this world for the next generation and for our kids, then we're just going to settle in and, and be asleep. So my challenge to people is everybody is multi-gifted. Everybody's in a different season of life, from single to married to family to back to being empty nesters, maybe to being single again, maybe to be in business, to being retired. That life has seasons, and people can just settle in and let life tow them along like floating down river. Or you can make a decision that in every season of life there's something that God has called you to do, something you can do to make a difference. Risk it. Get up and live with passion and with zeal. This is what the presence of God is for. Not to help us sleep on our lazy boys, but to get up and live life so it's exciting and fulfilling. And that's what the presence of God will do in our lives. So let's risk it. Let's get up and go for it. Whatever God's put in your heart, it's a delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. There's stuff in us that needs to come out. Leon Fontaine has been our guest, senior pastor of Springs Church in Canada, author of The Spirit Contemporary Life. Leon, that was a good half hour, sir. <laughs> a real good one, and I'm, I'm so glad that we could visit, and uh, I'm, I'm pleased that your book is out, and uh, I trust it'll do well. Pat, thank you so much. Uh, we will have a wrap-up, folks, right after this. Just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And uh, we'll wrap everything up right after this. Leon, a million thanks. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> that was a, Thank you for having me. That was a really good half hour, and I'm so glad. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thank you very, very much, folks, for plugging in here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, David Crosby was with us in that first half hour. Uh, talking about his book, The Care Effect. And then Leon Fontaine plugged in from Calgary, Canada, uh, talking about the spirit contemporary life. Uh, my latest book has just been published. It's called Humility. It's out now. It's in bookstores, and it's uh, up on Amazon.com as well. And uh, that's always a good way to order books. So, folks, have a great day tomorrow in church. Enjoy your family. Uh, enjoy the week ahead here with this wonderful weather that we're enjoying here in Central Florida. And then next weekend, we come back for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And just a reminder, this is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. So long for now. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.